0: Shut up and sit down. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers
1: only. Coffee is the fuel of the modern world, so go grab a cup guilt free and get working smarter and faster. You are listening to the Dial Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Everyone should believe in something. I believe I will have another coffee.
0: Man, I love coffee. It tastes so good, it makes me feel good. Try your best. There was a study that showed that if you drank 12 highly caffeinated energy drinks within a few hours, you would
1: most likely die. Hell, yeah. Cancer-free, sharp brain, plenty of energy, terrible breath, conclusion, coffee. right, welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I am Jake and I'm here with Lance Friggin' Hepler.
0: Lance Friggin' Hepler. How's it going, Jake?
1: What's up? It's going good. Hey, Hey, Lance, guess what? What? Just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Just the two of us, Lance.
0: It's just the two of us today.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, Matt's like, well, well, let's just just back the the train up here. It's like Sunday. Uh, How often do we record these things on a Sunday? Uh, Not often. Matt is um, at a swimming pool somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. I don't even know. Um,
0: He's in Corvallis. Oh, he's all the way down to Corvallis. Wow. So
1: yeah. he's down there yeah. doing swimming stuff. Ian was potentially going to join us, but he's mm-hmm. now busy doing Ian stuff. And then you're in Mesa, Arizona now?
0: I'm I'm in Mesa, Arizona now. Yep.
1: And you guys were tied up with like all kinds of fun stuff that we'll talk about in a moment here. And uh, this whole week just kind of escaped. And again, I've been stuck in this time vortex. It's kind of like Groundhog's Day. You just wake up and the same damn thing happens over and over and over again. It's like 10 to 12 hour days every single day. And you try and mix in all the other little bits and pieces that you got to get done and here we are sunday recording the podcast but you know what i'll get this thing out today and we'll still be on track for putting one out every single week so sorry to make y'all wait anyway what's up dude
0: well you know a lot of life crap has happened in the last 12 hours for (sighs) me so this
1: is very true uh do you want to talk about that or do you want to save that for uh later today
0: it's your show, Jake. You get to do what you get to direct whatever you want. It's my so. show.
1: I thought it was I thought it was your show. <laughs> I'm just here <laughs> to like I, facilitate your yeah. your needs to have the world hear what you're up to.
0: <laughs> I'm just a talent. I'm just the on-air talent. I don't have anything to do with the show. So
1: Dude, I'm <laughs> I'm just a washed up used to ride bicycles boring <laughs> groundhog day guy. So thank God we have you guys. Uh all right. Well, uh, tell it right let's just put a pin in that for just a moment and um, we'll talk right. about that because I, I think it's going to dovetail into what we're going to talk about today. Do you want to do the backpedal first? You want to just jump right we into that the, since yeah. I, I made people do it in reverse last week.
0: <laughs> we can do the backpedal. That sounds fine. All right. Um, yeah. So I've been at training camp all week. Uh, we had six days in San Diego County and more or less North, North San Diego County. Um, I think we had eighteen team members that came down. Um, big group. We never really talked. Yeah, we had a big group. There, we uh, uh, a couple didn't make it through the whole camp. Only came for a couple days. But um, I, I do not know why that just happened.
1: Anyway, <laughs> Lance and are talking to each other over uh, FaceTime on <laughs> FaceTime. on the phone, and all of a sudden, there's a bunch of balloons coming up on my I don't know my video feed. That that's interesting. Thank you.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's some balloons for you, Jake. Anyway, um, we didn't really talk about uh, what was happening in training camp. We weren't really sure if we should or not, but we actually had uh, Chris Horner, former Vuelta Espana winner. he, He actually joined us at training camp for the whole time for all six days. He did all the rides with us. He stayed in the house with us. We all spent a lot of time with Chris Horner. Um, we, we loved having him there. We all got to know him pretty well. Um, it was great to hear his thoughts and feelings about things and get ideas on different things and ways to train and ways to ride and how to eat and, and, uh, racing strategies and tactics and all of that stuff was, was really quite fascinating. But
1: what were a couple of the most valuable things you took away from that experience?
0: Um, you know, it's. It's, uh, it's common sense things that you think that you're, you're really doing, but you're not really tracking very well. Um, uh, one of the things like, if you really track what you had for breakfast, what you ate during the ride, exactly how many kilocalories you, you, uh, you spent during the ride, and how you recovered those calories for lunch after the ride and dinner that evening. So actually making sure you eat enough food. He asked us all... The first day to keep track of all all the calories we consumed and what we did, and and basically this was just whoever wanted to do it and wanted to talk with with Chris Horner about it. They could. Uh, he was not forcing himself on us. He was just being a part of the group with us, which was also really quite great. Um, so that was really beneficial. The other thing, the things you can do to try to keep the team together while you're racing or while you're riding. Um, we know as racers that a bigger group is faster together. So the more you can keep together, the better without people like idiots like me, who, who jump at every stop ahead sign or drill every little roller, because I think it's fun to go fast uphill, even though I'm spiking like 600 Watts, every roller it's better if we're all staying together because we'll move together faster as a cohesive team unit than splitting it up really quickly, you know, individually. So I'm um, having conversations about that and how to gently pull people back to the group so that they're not spent by the time they get back to the group. If they can't uh, stay on that, that kind of stuff was beneficial. Watching the way he climbed, um, he likes to climb out of the saddle. Not everybody does. People, some people like to spin up climb. Some people like to climb out of the saddle as long as you're not pushing too many Watts. Um, just watching his steady pressure and steady effort and the constant eating of food was, uh, it was really good to visually see all that, I guess. So.
1: Hmm. Cool. Um, Going back to to Chris, how did he take with all of the different individual contests that you guys were doing out there? Was that something he kind of poo pooed on? Because usually um, in, in years past, it's one of those things where like we have like a sprint competition for the day. We have like a you don't really know which hill it's going to be, so all of the hills are kind of like game when it comes correct. to like the, the KOM competitions and all of that fun stuff. And then there's like the whole GC thing. I mean, is is that something that he thought was pretty cool, or how did he uh, how did he take that?
0: Okay. He was really chill about stuff. Like he did not want to come in and say, Hey, I'm in charge. This is my camp. This is the way we're going to run it. That's not, that's not why we brought him along. He, he came along to give us advice and tips and things if we approached him and asked him for it. So the fact that, that at our training camps, we have a sprint competition every day we have a polka dot, uh, competition every day. We have a red Jersey or red socks wear every day and we have a yellow socks every day. So mm-hmm. we give out socks instead of jerseys. So we sprint for stop ahead signs, not stop signs, but stop ahead signs. And you have to keep track of how many you won. uh, the polka dot Jersey generally went to the, whoever did the major climb of the day, the fastest, um, The red socks went to the most aggressive rider of the day. And that was just basically up to John Hatfield. It was his rules. He got to pick whoever he wanted. That's perfect. Yep. And the the yellow socks usually went to the person who got back to the start the fastest or went the longest that day. So it generally went to the person who got lost, took a wrong turn or (laughs) something like that. So, yeah, so did what did chris think about that yeah. he thought it was fun and fine um does it really promote race craft not really as a team individually it does but as a team like you know we're doing some like 70 mile ride with like seven thousand feet of climbing and and there's six of us out of the 15 that are riding that are sprinting for every stop ahead sign okay that's that's not really conducive to a 70 mile race, right? It's just, it's us and our buddies having fun with each other and trying to one up each other, you know? So that, you know, and
1: and, was he good with that, that? I mean, cause there is a little bit of a, I don't know, there's, there's a little bit of like a sprint practice that goes into that. There's like the, the anticipation. There's like kind of like the sizing up and like when to go and how far to go. But there is also the whole mantra of like, hey, we're supposed to be taking like a certain approach to each ride. And we're supposed to be staying within like certain zones or, you know, putting out certain efforts. Did he think that that was too much? Yeah. I, I'm just kind of curious. And hey. I don't think we're going to change that for anything because it's too much fun. But I'm just curious it what he had fun. to say.
0: No, he he didn't care because... Um, what he did is he picked like two people every day to ride with, Yep. just like to, to stay around. If they were near the back, he stayed with them, helped pace them, helped give them ideas. If they were near the front, he went with them. There were a couple of days he rode right at the front with, um, with the, with the fast climbers. There were a couple of days that he drilled some descents with six of us on his wheel, uh, you know, it was,
1: oh, oh, he, he just picked qu- a couple question on that real quick. I heard a story about a cup of tea. You want to elaborate on that?
0: Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> okay. So we, we, um, we, we do this ride, um, that goes to Borrego Springs and then climbs from Borrego Springs up to Julian, California. And that's roughly, it's roughly 30 miles from Borrego Springs to Julian, And it includes like 3000 feet of climbing, but usually we do that as a big loop Uh and it's, it's a really great ride as a big loop because you get to do this big descent called Montezuma's grade, which is a freaking blast. It's like a really fast curvy descent that you don't almost have to touch your brakes on. And so we didn't want to miss all that. What was happening is this was during this atmospheric river of rain that was hitting Southern California. And it was just hitting barely North of us. Like the town of Fallbrook where we were in was getting soaked. So we drove an hour South to Borrego Springs and we were just on the edge of this massive rainstorm. Okay. But we climbed, it was like gorgeous in Borrego Springs. It was like 70 degrees and overcast. But by the time we got to Julian, it was hissing rain on us. Oh no. And it, <laughs> and it, and it dropped like it dropped like twenty-five degrees. It got quite cold. And so our plan was to ride from Brago Springs up to Julian and then turn around and ride straight back to Brago Springs, not do the descent on the other side because we knew it was gonna be much rainier. It was a logistical kind of nightmare because sure. we had to like we had to shuttle cars to get them all to Brago Springs, but we wanted to start above Montezuma's grade, blah, but you don't want to hear all that. Anyway, but uh, uh, but Chris Hannell figured it all out. We logistically figured it all out, which was, it ended up being really cool. Sure. But um, what happened is we got to Julian, everybody's freezing. Brandy got there with the van. We're all putting our clothes back on. Um, people are buying like hot tea uh, because we're really cold. And and when I got to Brego Springs, I, I basically drank a Coke and I put my rain jacket on. And I said, I am not staying here any longer. I'm freezing to death. I'm going down the hill. And so I like slow rolled out of town and I kind of created a problem because not everybody was ready to go. So there were like four people that left with me. Um, But Horner, Chris Horner had just gotten his cup of tea and his apple cherry turnover or whatever and it's pouring rain, and Chris Horner did the first four miles of that descent holding a cup of tea in one hand with his cherry turnover on the bottom of the cup. So he's taking bites out of the cherry turnover and drinking the hot tea while he's cruising down the it's, – it's pouring rain until he finally gets the tea all down, eats all the turnover, you know, puts the, puts the cup in his pocket – and then and then catches right back up to us on the descent.
1: And he was so, not going slowly. He was he was he was booking, wasn't he? Doing all of this with yeah. one hand and.
0: Uh, yeah, all the turns were scary because it was soaking wet. The first the first four miles were soaking wet, and it, so, so we were taking the corners a little okay. carefully.
1: So you got. Guy holding handlebars with one hand, cup of tea in yeah. the other hand, yeah. cradling probably yeah. with like his pinky finger this little turnover thing underneath yeah. of that, eating it, descending, cold, wet, rainy, and yes. and yes. and rim brakes,
0: and rim brakes. <laughs> oh correct. my
1: god!
0: He's, he, he's and he's on rim brakes on carbon wheels.
1: Oh my gosh! So you know, it there's no yeah. braking power so, on that. It's oh my gosh. <laughs> no.
0: But you know. Clearly Mr Horner knows how to ride a bicycle uh-huh. right so he, he was able to do it and and then the you know after 3 or 4 miles it dried out and oh my gosh i mean okay i'm a fairly decent descender i'm a bigger guy i have more weight i have a little bit of no fearism in me and so i'm a pretty decent descender and i usually know my equipment pretty well so i know what i can take and he he as soon as he was done with this stuff, he caught us immediately. Oh my gosh. And then, and then he went, <laughs> and then he went right to the front of the group and pulled all of us for the next 22 miles, all the way back to Borrego Springs. Like, Hey guys, sit on my wheel. We're going to drill this at 35 miles an hour all the way back. Yeah. Which it's is what we did.
1: So the first, what maybe like the first third of that way back to Brago Springs, it's pretty steep, pretty windy roads. It's, it's, it's fun. It's probably not something you want to do wet, cold, rainy kind of stuff, not on rim brakes with uh, carbon wheels. But, um, once you get out of that section, it's more of just like kind of like a slight gradient that's down. That's kind of fun. Did you guys have like a tailwind? Did it, were you guys warm enough? Were you guys all freezing your butts off?
0: No, no. As soon as we dropped like a thousand feet, it was like 15 degrees warmer. We were all fine. And we were sitting on Horner's wheel doing 35 miles an hour. So it was, yeah, it was, it it was, it was super fun. We just like, we cruised all the way back. I think, I think four of us got like in the top 10 list on that, on that whole descent from Julian all the way to Borrego Springs. So, and we were basically just, we were basically just drafting Horner the whole way. <laughs> I took a, I took a couple of pulls, but literally it was like 30 seconds, and Horner went back to the front. And I'm like, oh, okay, he's going to sit at the front. And was just he running crank a out 450 watts? Was he
1: running a power meter?
0: He had an SRM on. Um, he did not. So he had a, a, the old SRM power meter. Sure. So, but he never, he never posted his rides. He never recorded them for Strava. He didn't have a bike computer. So like, it's just kind
1: of just outriding, so, just a,
0: <laughs> yeah, correct. Just outriding with us. He had, he had his power numbers and heart rate numbers for himself personally. So he knew what he was doing, but he didn't, um, he just, yeah, he, he never had the routes every day. He just had to ride with us. He just had, so he knew where to go, you know? So it was, it was, it was kind of great. It was really inspiring. It was really inspiring to, to go through all that. Gotcha. So, so he,
1: cool. he won the Vuelta, was it 2010?
0: Uh, he was 40 years old. He is 52 now. So he won the Vuelta when he was 40. Uh, yeah. So what is that, 2012?
1: 12? yeah. OK, so I was curious. Yeah, like I was trying like to that. reverse engineer how old he is. So he's about your age, yeah?
0: Yeah, I'm 50. I turned 54 in April. April he's 52. Yeah. 52, so, 52, he's, so yeah. He's, he's about my age, but he's also 30 pounds lighter than me. Yeah,
1: he's, he's so, a little guy. So um, you guys probably went to quite a few different places where there were other cyclists. Did anybody ever recognize him or say, hey, wait a second?
0: Uh, yeah, we we drove to uh, Temecula, uh, Marietta, in order to, to ride the La Cresta Heights one day. Yep. And we're all staged up in a parking lot getting ready. And yeah, somebody, somebody drove by. Who was a race director that ran a stage race in Marietta and recognized Chris immediately and was like, "Well, hey, what What are you you doing here? (laughs) What are you doing here?" And he and Chris like talked to him for like ten minutes while the rest of us were getting ready. You know, so and the guy even said, "Hey, if you guys have trouble or if something happens, you know, here's my number. Call me. I'll come rescue you." You It's kind of it was it was kind of cool. So yeah, we did have one person kind of recognize. Corner, so
1: gotcha. It was so it going was pretty good. Going back to the training camp on a whole, how did the whole week go? Were there any issues? Did you guys have any troubles or problems? Mechanicals? Anybody go down? Anything bad happen?
0: <sighs> you know what? Um, we had two flat tires that were able to be sealed by sealant. I don't know, maybe maybe Hanel had to put a tube in one. We had we had we didn't have to change tires. We had we had brake issues where we had to do brake bleeds on a couple of bikes uh, because we were doing a lot of steep downhills. Um, but yeah, there were there were no crashes, there were no injuries, there were no problems, there were no major mechanicals. Everybody's stuff worked. It all just kind of went smoothly. Uh, two guys tangled up and fell over on a climb because they were. They were screwing around. One was like pushing the other one, and then <laughs> and they, they fell down. <laughs> they just like it hit somebody's wheel and fell over. So it really wasn't that big a deal. But but they just fell over like really low speed. So really, there was we had no issues all week, which was also knock on wood really fortunate because every year we've had some kind of major issue, either mechanically or somebody's gone down. So but well, that didn't,
1: the the go downs were all. The... <laughs> They weren't bad. Thankfully, wait. they weren't bad. Yeah. Sorry, Lance is having a little bit of a, an issue here. Oh, I can see you. Okay, wait. There we are.
0: I, I got you back. Okay. okay,
1: good. Yeah, don't move. Uh, the the people okay. that did have the little, you know, fallovers or mix-ups or whatnot, those were pretty mundane. Nobody ever got like seriously injured, with the exception of, nope. of you. <laughs>
0: Right. (laughs) I think I was the only one that actually
1: had serious injuries. I
0: actually had to go to the hospital. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So So that's good. I had to go to the
0: hospital after that wreck.
1: We've been doing these since 2018 and this is the first year that I've missed. And I kind of told you this, like, I was like, I didn't want to say it, but I just had this bad feeling that like, I wasn't going to be there to help or if something were to go wrong or something should happen. And I just had this like bad feeling inside of me. And so the fact that it went off without a hitch and everything was good, I, I, was quite pleased with that so thank you for uh keeping it reeled in to a certain degree
0: you know you you were uh you were sorely missed at camp jake we talked about you a lot that's why i i facetimed you one night for our for our team awards because everybody was asking how you were and how it was going and i'm like jake just needs to be a part of this so i'm, I'm glad we were able to there connect was, with you yeah. one night
1: I can't even tell you how much FOMO there was there. And I'm, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, this whole thing is just, it's really starting to get at me a little bit. I'm, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to like get too deep into this, but there's an air of like almost depression kind of like hanging over me right now yeah. because I can't do the things that I love to do. I mean, and the fact that I'm missing, you know, bike rides and bike races and then team training camp and we've got a, you know, a time trial coming up that we're getting ready to host and I'm not going to be able to do any of this stuff. It's just absolutely driving me crazy. But, um, yeah, I do have a tiny bit of news on that front. So I, I mean, maybe once we get into my backpedal, I can talk about that, but, um, it's kind of part of my backpedal, but um, let's finish up talking about the training camp. Um, going back to that, thank you for calling me, for for passing the phone around and getting to say hi to everybody. That that actually made my night. At first, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I don't want to do this. I'm going to feel like a schmo. I texted,
0: <laughs> I texted Jake, and I'm like, hey, we're going to do awards, and I'm going to FaceTime. And he's like, oh, I'm kind of tired. I'm not going to do that, and I just, I just FaceTimed you
1: anyway. <laughs> It'll tear off the Band-Aid suck it up buttercup <laughs> so yeah and yeah. and that that was my interaction with um uh with Chris Horner so yeah he <laughs> got to say hi to him real quick yeah. but that was about <laughs> it but hi I'm glad that you guys all had a good time with that that was a pretty special thing to to be able to do but um let's go back to training camp one more time is there um any highlights that you personally had anything that you just found to be absolutely exceptional um the the last couple of days
0: we did la Cresta and the Deleuze area and oh man it just ended up just being gorgeous i i i can t- to say for me personally to do like a 30 mile descent with chris horner and trade pulls with him a little bit yeah and he was like and he was like working you know yeah oh my gosh that was special that's like that's like special yeah. that was really cool to 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 do some climbs with all my buddies and and hear him just you know, three people behind me just having a conversation with one of the guys while we're climbing. And he's just like, he's just being a a cool guy and getting to know us. And, and, you know, all that stuff was really cool. Um, for me, I have been, I've been training pretty hard prepping for this race season and man, my legs felt great all week. We did we did like almost 350 miles and like 40,000 feet of climbing, you know, through the week. I think that's close to the numbers that I did. I think for the week, uh, some did a little bit more. I didn't do all of the climbing. Um, I took it easier on the very last day, but, um, my, my, uh, my legs kind of felt good all week, which kind of surprised me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, day one was very hard because we all went way too freaking hard and we pushed way t- we we all had we all had cramping issues the first day because we went way <laughs> too hard
1: was that the, we uh, just the excited. was that the lilac route did you guys do that one on the day one like usual yeah yeah uh,
0: it was like coozer canyon and lilac and we did Huntley. oh geez super, stupid steep uh Huntley. so we uh several of us did that too and and we were all like suffering after that because it was, it's really steep. But um, I
1: I hear that there was another uh, attack on Los Gatos, but not everybody went and did it. Did you Did you miss that um, one?
0: No. So what happened is we didn't climb the real steep part of Los Gatos, um, which which has like a twenty eight percent section for like a half mile or something. Los Gatos is super,
1: super steep. It, no, it's steeper than that. But, I think the average gradient's 32%, and I think it hits like oh 34 geez. or 36 or something like that at that steeper point.
0: But there's a lower Los Gatos section that um, that Nate Scott had the KOM on, and it's before the really steeper part. And Paul first took a stab at taking Nate Scott's KOM on that lower Los Gatos section, and uh, he didn't quite get it. I think he got second. He missed it by a second. Wait, I
1: so think. you guys all didn't do the full Los Gatos climb? You just did part of it and turned around? Did anybody do the full no. Los Gatos? I thought that no. Oh, I nobody, thought that some of the boys no. did that.
0: What happened is um, some of us did the La Cresta ride and then rode all the way back to the house from La Cresta. And uh, we went down Los Gatos. And so so you like seven of us.
1: Went down it, turned yeah. around, went back up some of it, then turned around went back down?
0: No, hell no. None of us turned around and went back up it. It was the next day that some of them did the lower Los Gatos road. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So yeah, none of us, none of us had the guts to go after Los Gatos again. It was, it was too freaking steep.
1: Well, going back to so. Chris Horner real quick, uh, I got some whispers and saw some, uh, some notes that um, the boy can still climb pretty stinking well.
0: And, okay. On, on the last day, Okay, David Barna is a very good climber. Jay Fielding, Jay Fielding, and Dave Barna, and probably Paul First, were probably the the quickest climbers of the group this last week. And uh, and David on the last day was doing all the climbs at his threshold effort, and so we hit the bottom of this like four mile climb, and he, Dave, David got away, and Horner was back having a conversation with us, and then. He just decided, I'm going to go ride with David for the rest of this. And he literally just like, without losing breath, just like got out of the pedals, stamped away at 450 watts for like a mile to just, and just, whoop, just went right up to David Barna and then he helped pace David Barna up the rest of the ride. So Jeez. he's just like, <laughs> and it was like, the rest of us are like kind of struggling and just like just trying to get up the climb without too much. And then all of a sudden, Horner was like, "Whoop! see ya, I'm out. Watch, watch this. And he just Jeez. like rode away from all of us. It was impressive. Yeah. And then he, and Barna said he like caught me and he like wasn't even breathing hard. And like,
1: like, dude, this just oh, is God. not fair. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, kind of wow. curious how Jay Fielding would stack up with him, knowing that Jay probably weighs about 135, 140 pounds and has a pretty, yeah. pretty high FTP um, give him his, his size and the, the kick can climb. So was there ever any like, Hey, let's, let's kind of go at this a little bit and see if we can hang. No.
0: So I'll say this, Jay, Jay won several climbs. Uh, he, David Barnum was close to him, but David took it easy on the first couple of days. Jay did not. Jay went hard on the first couple of days. Warner never like
1: opened it up, um,
0: opened it up on a climb. He, he, he wasn't there. I, I, he never said this, but he wasn't there to show us how good of a bike rider he yeah. was. When,
1: didn't want to show he anybody up. that that's, that's classy. Yeah.
0: No. Yep. Yeah. He didn't want to do that. He, he just, he rode with us. And so the only times we saw it like pop off was when, Oh, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to close the gap and go up to Barna and yeah. ride with him. Or, okay, there's seven of us. This is how you descend. This, I'm going to show <laughs> you this is 25 mile descent with seven of, you know,
1: now so you you talked you never to, really
0: popped off.
1: Yeah, you talked about some stuff that he was trying to impart on you guys, and, and talking about nutrition and and having a strategy for that so you can get optimal performance. Is there anything on the bike that you learned from him or gave or that he gave you to I don't know? Just like some pearls of wisdom that he threw your way that you are like, oh man, I never really thought of that. Is there anything that, that he imparted on you that way? Uh
0: yeah, one thing. Um and it wasn't actually the actual riding on the bike, but, and and it's stuff that we all know already, but um, a stretching routine or ball and foam core work where you're working your hips and your hamstrings and your glutes and your lower back, if you are doing, he's like, if, if you do, so what I'm talking about is those massage balls that you lay on yeah. or a foam roller to, yep. to work, to work your hips and to work your glutes and to work your hamstrings. He goes, if you did that every day, or if you did that five days a week, you'll have 20 extra Watts. You'll just, and, and one of the things he said was if you're doing this regularly, the stretching and the core work and the foam core rollers, your, um, your hour four and five will feel better. You won't like lock up, as easily or feel as bad on hour four or hour five. Yeah. So
1: that that makes sense. That was, although I'm going to, it gonna, does
0: make sense. And,
1: I'm going to call crap on that because I've been doing that for seven months and it hasn't <laughs> fixed anything. <laughs>
0: well, like I, I, you know, I've been doing like core work for the last like, you know, four or five months and it, it has really helped. Me oh, yeah. Like, man, I haven't really stretched or done. You know, ball worker or, you know, foam roller I, stuff. At it's all. one of those.
1: Like, yeah, it's one of those things that you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll do that. And you just never do until you actually go and do it. Yeah. And you're like, that feels amazing. Why, why don't I do this more yeah. often? And I feel good. You feel limber, you feel like everything's more supple. You're like, you just feel like, all right, I'm I'm ready for this, you know, and you don't get nearly as sore, and you just your body's not as tight, and you just you're you're just more fluid on the bike. Everything feels good. And then if you follow that routine, it's just the same thing over and over again. So that's a good constant reminder for our, us to give ourselves is like, hey, make sure you build that into your routine because you know, this is a, a sport that's very linear. It's, um, you're, you're holding certain positions for long periods of time and your muscles are going to get bound up and eventually it's going to have an effect on you and it's going to affect your performance and it could ultimately affect your health. So yeah, do it.
0: You know, the other, the other thing that was a, a bit of a revelation is when when you're doing these big group rides and you stop for like a water break to fill bottles or whatnot, um, he, he drank a Coke and ate a Snickers bar at every one of those stops. And he sat down on the ground to get off his feet. So usually, usually there's, there's 10 or 15 of us, right? Some of us will drink a Coke. Some of us won't. We'll, maybe we'll share one, but everybody's like standing around and talking or, or like, or leaning on their bike or like, or sitting on their top tube. He got down on the ground and sat down. He's like, your legs will just not bloat up and feel better when you continue the ride. If you get off your feet while you're drinking your Coke and eating your Snickers bar. So
1: part of that whole little marginal gains thing, man, you got to learn the little ticks, little trips. Um, I do know that like I, I hadn't had a Coke in I don't even know how long it probably was decades And I remember we were doing the STP, the Seattle to Portland ride, and we were 160 miles in, and everybody was kind of bonking a little bit. And I remember stopping at mile marker, I think it was 165 or something like that. There's a rest station there. And we pulled in, and I remember drinking a Coke and having a Snickers bar. Oh, my God. It was the Red Bull commercial. I didn't have a Red Bull, but it was like it just gives you freaking wings, and you're just flying and I'm like, all right, I, I still don't want to make that a habit because you know we just we know that cokes aren't good for you. But if you're doing these long endurance rides, there's something to that in terms of like how quickly your body will pull that sugar in, and it's just the the caffeine and the sugar, yeah. all of that stuff really makes a, a difference. So fast forward, the next time I had a coke was when we did that exact same training ride. Well, not exact. It was one of those training rides. I remember, it was like 110 yeah. a 110 mile day that we did, and we stopped at this little this, this little market thing, and and I went in, I, I had a Snickers bar, and I had a Coke, and it was it was awesome. And this was the year that we were staying yeah. up on the top of Rainbow Heights Road. For those that are listening that remember this, you'll know that exactly what I'm talking about. To get to the house that we were staying at, every ride finished with a three-mile climb that was something like 1,500 feet of elevation gain, and it was pretty right. pitchy, too. And we're like, who came up with this idea? This is just <laughs> absolutely... I mean, granted, it was a beautiful house. It was in a beautiful area, but it was just that stupid climb to finish all of the rides was just horrendous it sucked so but um i i felt like i floated up that hill that day i'm I'm telling you there's something to it
0: and that was part of the thing was that you know him on those pro training rides they had a coke on every ride like longer than like three hours they would stop for a coke or they would at least drink a coke mid-ride yeah so also interesting something you don't think about but that's what they did you know as pro world tour riders so gotcha so
1: you're gonna start packing cokes for these long gravel races that you're doing
0: Yeah, it's funny barna david barna went out and bought uh two cases of coke and we drank them all throughout the
1: week yeah yeah
0: (laughs) yeah we had a we had a cooler with ice and it had like 30 cokes in it and we would go through a bunch of them every day so (laughs) anyway
1: cool and then your rest day you guys went over to the the coast i'm guessing
0: we did. We rode down to Oceanside. The weather finally turned and was beautiful. It was a gorgeous, very chill ride all the way down there. We rolled up to the coffee shop at 158 and they closed at two o'clock. Oh, no. <laughs> but, they, but but when they saw like 15 of us roll up, they kept it open for us and everybody tipped them well. So I'm sure they were happy with uh, that. So Make that, a few extra bucks. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. And then we we rode back to the house, and it was not chill at all on the way back. So of course go not, because yeah, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hopefully, you guys weren't running into too many. And yeah, the bike paths down there again. That seems to be. No,
0: we had yeah, we were really chill on the bike paths. We were really good. Um, Horner was always was also working with us on um, on double pace lines, on working on being able to ride comfortably side by side, even on a narrow bike path where there should be enough room for two bikes to ride side by side and not overtake another lane and to be comfortable enough with the guy you're riding next to that, that uh, you could do that and not make the guys work too hard or, or be unsafe. So that was also helpful.
1: I think a lot of the guys probably already have that in their quiver, but it's probably get some good reminders, some good tips. And it's probably good for some of the other people that maybe aren't comfortable doing that to have that experience. So that's good. Right on. Yeah. Anything else about training camp that you want to you want to spill? Anything spicy? Any uh no drama I'm guessing. You guys were all pretty I, pretty chill down there, so
0: There there was no drama. It was it was fantastic. We had a great time. The meals were great. Um, everybody was really cool. Everybody was uh good to be around. We just uh I don't know, it was all chill. That's there was a lot of not hot Not what tub I wanted to hear. I wanted, cool to hear. I
1: wanted to hear that it sucked, <laughs> that the weather was terrible, <laughs> flat tires, broken stuff, crashes. It was just miserable. Yeah. But no, it was fantastic and I have to just sit it here was, and take it and uh, yeah, you guys suck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's fair. 2025, I'll be there. <laughs> if I'm not, then just right. take me up behind the shed and make it be done. <laughs> <laughs> make it be done. All right, cool. Um, all right, well, anything else that you want to talk about? <clears throat> any any backpedaling stuff that you want to, uh, other backpedaling stuff you want to get into?
0: Um. No, I don't think so. We can move on to whatever you want to talk about.
1: All right. Uh. Well, let me do my backpedal real quick. Don't just like, you know, Discount me that quickly, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> let's, let's hear
0: about um, yours.
1: Wait, I did nothing. I went to the gym. That's it. Moving on. No, just kidding. Um, I do have one little thing to share though. I've there's a doctor that I've been trying to get into see, and I think I told you about this, but um, I've was trying to get in with him after getting referred to him. And he's the one that works at this orthopedic group that kind of takes on all of like the oddball cases that the other docs can't necessarily like fix. And when I originally inquired about seeing him back at like, I think it was the beginning of January, I wasn't going to be able to get in to see this guy until late February. I'm not sorry, not late February, late April. And so I'm like, Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So I'm like trying to look at at some other options and some other things. And when I had made the appointment, I'm like, Hey, you know, just by chance, if he has a cancellation, please put me on the list. I'm like, I will come in whenever. I don't care what time of the day it is. I will be there. And so fast forward to this past week and I got a phone call and they're like, Hey, we've got an opening for this coming Monday. Would you like to take said appointment? I'm like, absolutely. So I will be seeing the doctor tomorrow and hopefully, hopefully getting um, a little bit of insight as to what might be going on here. I'm starting to have an idea of something that might be an issue here. And it kind of stems back to... I've had this conversation with you and other people, but uh, I've got three titanium screws that are in that same hip from another mountain bike (laughs) accident from, I don't know, 11 years ago or so. And it was two years ago and changed that I had a little... It was like a little mundane, like little bike just washes out from underneath you because you're on an off camber turn and it's wet and green mossy stuff and just nothing you can do about it. And I landed on that hip, and it's kind of been quasi-problematic. I mean, you have the acute phase of what you go through when you do something like that. You've got your road rashes, and you got a little bit of swelling, and you got some bruising and all that fun stuff. And that slowly dissipated, but the swelling never truly went away, and it just... It would always kind of be there and would rear its ugly head after long rides, but it wasn't necessarily painful. It was just like it would get tight, but I would you know, try and do some stretching and try and work through it and just kept riding. And then all of a sudden, I started having more issues, like more cramping and, and, and really bad swelling. And then all of a sudden, it started to feel like a, a biting, pinching pain that I thought was potentially something to do with the labrum, went into the doctor. He thought it was the labrum. They did x-rays, did some tests, and and we kind of proceeded on that notion And then I tried to work through some PT and other kinds of rehab and whatnot. And then the next thing you know, we're going to training camp, and this would be 2023. And um, I was just really diligent about working through everything, and it it worked out really well. And We started doing some early season racing. We did some early season training rides and did some early season uh, flogging rides, and power numbers were looking good, and everything was kind of rounding into shape. And I'm like, all right, we're doing well. And then we had that uh, Rally the Valley, I mean, the Rally the Valley Road Race, the one where our good friend and teammate Chris Surratt had his uh, unfortunate little spill with Ian. And uh, that's when I had those super bad cramps and just like the wheels fell off there. So I just keep going through this whole process, taking time off and doing all these different um, treatments for, you know, physical therapy and Pilates and acupuncture, massage therapy, all of the things. And I ended up going in and having an MRI and it's inconclusive. It's not a labral tear. So I've been just beating my head against the wall trying all of these things, and then somebody made a recommendation to me or a suggestion and asked me the question of, "Hey, you've got hardware in your hip. Have you ever considered taking that out?" And so I've been, that's been that that resonated with me. I've been doing more research. I've been doing more reading. I've been trying to look at all of these different symptoms, and I'm starting to kind of put together like a list of things that um, I've been dealing with over the past two years, and even a little bit over the last ten years which they've been very mild, but it's been the last two years since I've had that little spill that they've kind of been getting to be more problematic. And there's a lot of things that line up with having issues with your body kind of starting to reject hardware that you might have in your body. And the person that I was talking to made the comment of like, have you considered having that out? Because I had some similar issues. And once I had the hardware taken out, everything just went away almost immediately. So I'm very curious after I go talk to this doctor to see what he has to say about this and if that's something that might be a remedy for me. Because, I mean, I've had a constant swollen hip. I've got, like, bursitis in there, and it's you, know, you get this tightness that causes impingement on nerves, and then you've got, like, burning sensations and cramping feelings. It's just it's not happy times. And if it can all be made right by them going in there and taking out these screws, my God, that would be magical. So fingers crossed yeah. tomorrow that they, uh, they give us a little bit of good news, or at least we can start, like looking into the, the, the process, the prospects of um, what it would be like to have that taken out and if it would actually help my problems. And if that doesn't help, then God help me. I have no idea what I'm going to do if they can't solve this because it's really driving me crazy. So that's my back battle.
0: That would be great. That'd be great. If we get, if you get some resolution there, cause we all want the resolution for you too, Jake. Yeah. yeah, So, so.
1: so we'll get there eventually. I, I don't, I'm Frustrated and and bummed out and a little depressed and I don't know, trying to like focus on other things but I I need to get back to doing the thing on the whole bicycle and racing and doing the stuff with the team that that that's that puts me in my happy place so that's where I need to be trying to yeah, supplement um not having that with going to the gym and working sixty to seventy hours a week is not sustainable so. We'll get through it. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, hey, I hear you. did you take Champ to, to Arizona with you? Is Champ there?
0: No, Champ. Just, Champ did not go. Didn't watch anything. Just just barely kept up with his own emails. Actually, I didn't keep up with my own emails either. So,
1: you got any? Uh, uh, Champ is
0: here. Yes. There's been some racing, so we have had a couple of spring classics. They're not monuments, but then we had a couple of spring classics. And uh, uh, what is it? Kern Brussels Kern and Omlute, hep Something yep. Something. I don't know. Yep. Um, so uh, Jumbo Visma ended up uh, kind of uh, uh, ruling those.
1: Visma Lisa bike. Visma Lisa bike. We got to start. Got to start getting Visma, into the. I screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. What? That, that's still too much to spend. We'll just call him Visma. So. Visma. The yellow team.
0: Visma, Yeah, the yellow team. <clears throat> um, I don't exactly know what happened in the Saturday race. Uh, I know that Wout did some work for a buddy uh, and, and a teammate ended up winning that race. So mm-hmm. one of the Visma Lisa bike riders uh, won that race, which is great. But um, kern Russell Kern, which was this morning... Um, uh, Wout Venner got in a, in, uh, got away with two other guys and then easily outsprinted the other two guys. So, Wout so, is ready for the freaking classics. Yeah. Back so. to back
1: days, big races, big efforts, no problem. Wout's just like, Well, got this. I'm ready. <laughs> yep. That's fantastic. <laughs> so. so,
0: that's pretty great. Um, in, uh, uh, there was also this El Camino uh, race that Vingigo was doing, Gran Camino, um, the historical route, and he uh, ended up winning a couple stages and ended up winning the overall for the whole race. But the real surprise there was...
1: Egon, who, Egon Bernal. Took third place. Yes, and yes, he was sitting Egon in second Bernal. for a while. His form looked decent. I mean, there was... Like There was one of those stages. I think it was the second to last or third to last, whatever one it was. And um, Vingigo was actually having a hard time popping people. And Bernal was a part of that that was keeping it pulled together. And he was looking pretty solid. So he's not going to be able to step up and and hang with Vingigo or a Pogaccia or probably even a Roglic at this point in time. But to see him have that kind of form this early in the season, that's very promising. And I want to say he's, what, like 25, maybe 26, somewhere in there? He won the tour when he was 19 or 20. Wasn't he the youngest tour winner ever? And that was in 2019. So that being, what, five years ago, he's probably five years older. So I'm going to guess he's like 25. He's,
0: he's 27.
1: He's 27? All right. Well, maybe he was he's 21 or so. Whatever he was, he was the youngest guy to yeah. win the tour at the time. So he's actually the same age as Vingigo then because Vingigo 27 as well. So, Yeah. And Vingigo, I think he just got married last week, if I'm not mistaken, too. If
0: he hasn't been married, uh, but he's been with the same girl for quite some time, they have kids, and he actually took, took her, her name. La- last Did you name. see that? Yeah, he's,
1: he hyphenated his last name and took her last name, which is kind of cool. So,
0: Yeah, so now he's Jonas Vingago Hansen. Yep. So... So hey. Some people have called him Hanson and some called him Vingago, <laughs> but it's
1: all good. You know, that's kind of neat. Uh, I, I I have no no problems with that whatsoever. And I think it's kind of cool because if, yep. if you come together as a couple and then you guys both take each other's names, that's kind of fun. But then the question becomes is like, well, wh- what name do you give your kids? And then when they go to get married and if they've got two names, the other kids got, two, you get into a situation where you've got way too many names. So I don't know. I don't know how you sort right. that out, but that's another another podcast, another time.
0: Uh, a couple Americans worth mentioning. Uh, Brandon McNulty won yep. the time trial in the UAE tour, yep. which was great. And so he did fairly well there. And then Luke Lamperty, who is who is racing for Quick Quickstep this year, um, ended up seventh in this morning's uh, Kern Bussel Kern race. So he, was, he wasn't in the three that got away with Wout. He was in the second group, and he... He, I mean, in a seventh overall, which is a yeah. great result for an American. Yeah. So way to well, go, Luke.
1: I think so. at the UAA tour is uh Magnus Sheffield racing there too. I think he, if I'm not mistaken, he won a time trial early in that race. It was one of the, the, the early races that was last week. He was looking pretty stinking solid on the bike. Anyway, we can come back to that. Yeah. I don't but know. He, he, yeah. He, we, won't, we won't come. Back he to was. That. He was. Well, no. At some point in time, we'll talk about him. But um, maybe not today. <laughs> okay. But at some point in time, the the, the the moral of the story is: is he threw down on the time trial bike and it stuck, and he ended up winning, which was fantastic. So, pretty wow. proud of him. Had a couple of Americans that did well this past week. Good job, boys. Yeah,
0: way to go, man.
1: Cool. Did you hear about Peter Sagan?
0: Um. I heard he had some heart issues, but that's all I know. He had
1: some tachycardia issues. So basically he's riding and he's looking at his heart rate monitor and he's seeing a max heart rate of over 200 BPM and he couldn't get it to come down. So he was having some issues and he's actually going in to have surgery this week. Um, They're going to go in there and do the, what what do they call that? It's like a a libation. What is that called? Where they go in there and they like either burn or freeze parts of the heart to change the the rhythmic and...
0: Ablation, 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 that's think, the word right there. So
1: saying. anyway, he's having that procedure done, but they're not thinking that he's going to be out for any length of time, and he's still trying to do everything that he possibly can to get tuned up for the Olympics this summer. So um, there's a race that's coming up in just a few weeks, and he's hoping to be back at that. So that guy's still a beast, and I I just hope and, you know, hope everything goes all right for him because... I know that he's at the end of his career and he doesn't have too much, you know, left to, to, you know, throw out there, but you want to see the guy do well. Cause he's been such a great, um, steward yeah. to the sport. And so, you know, good luck, Peter.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Cool.
1: Anything else? Champ?
0: Nope. That's it. Champ out.
1: Peace out champ. Cool. Thank you, sir. Um, Hey, we're going to jump into our topic for the day. Cycling. It's a it's a powerful medicine and I wanted to throw this out there and, and Lance has got a, a a bit to share. Um I the, the topic's going to be like how cycling can help us deal with adversity and in tough times. Um I we've all been there. It's just a part of life. We go through, you know, life and there's challenges and there's tribulations and there's just hard times and and you know, you've got to figure out how to to cope with these things. And I know for me personally, there's been some extremely stressful parts of my life, and and you know, uh, I'm not gonna say a former life, but you know, early in my life, where I had to really lean on that to keep my mental sanity and to help me stay even keel, so that I could be a good human being and and stay like on on course with the things that I was trying to get accomplished in life. And I don't think if I had chosen to go the route of like and this is kind of a funny thing. Like I've always loved bikes and there was a point in time where I was seriously sitting there thinking about like, all right, I want to, I, I want to get a new bike. And then I was, I was seriously contemplating doing like a home brewing thing. Cause you know, I like, I liked beer a lot. I didn't drink a like. A problematic amount of, of beer, but I seriously was having this debate with myself. I'm like, all right, I've got uh, a certain amount of money that I can spend. And am I going to get a home brewing kit and start brewing beer and, and just have fun with that? Or should I get a bike? And I'm like, you idiot, you got to get a bike. So I went and got the bike and, <laughs> and, and that was like, you know, a, a solid decision. And I can only think of like, all right, well, what if I had gotten the home brewing kit and then I opted to like lean into drinking beer to solve my problems? That's not a good scenario. I leaned into riding bikes instead, and that that worked out extremely well. So, for me, it's it's a good thing, and that's part of the issue that I'm having right now because I'm seriously frustrated with this, and I'm like, I'm kind of killing myself in other respects, and I just am not able to go jump on my bike and decompress. So that's where I kind of get my outlet with going to the gym, but um, it's still not the same. But Lance, you have had you've had a rough couple days, or a rough day or two. and yeah, if- it's been a rough
0: it's only been twelve hours actually. it's been a rough twelve hours so uh yeah, some people may know this if they follow me on Strava, but uh my my father passed away yesterday hmm. um, we we finished we finished training camp and we got everybody at the airport um sat, uh Saturday morning. And then, uh, Brandon and I started headed towards Arizona. We were going to take a couple days to get over here to Arizona, but, um, my, my father has been in a, in a home care facility for like six or seven months. Um, he's, he's, he's 85. He, his health was declining, um, and he wasn't doing well and he kind of had a rough day and kind of surprisingly quickly passed away yesterday about 5 PM. So, um, We weren't, we weren't really expecting it. We weren't, um, we, we, I should say we weren't surprised by it. So we've been, we've been kind of wanting this for him for a long time, uh, for like the last three or four years, he's had a really rough last three or four years. He's lived a fantastic life. He's been a huge part of my life. He had a big influence on me. Um, but the last, few years have been really rough and um he uh he's he's no longer suffering which is good so i may seem a bit chipper um more chipper than a person who should feel that that just lost their dad you know yesterday but um we've been able to say my goodbyes to him you know over the last six months we've been able to spend a lot of time He took a turn for the worst yesterday. We thought we would be able to get him into hospice care and that he would, they thought he might last another couple weeks, but it ended up just being a couple hours. So there was no chance for most of us to get home and he wasn't awake enough to be able to respond to us uh, anyway, if we had gotten there. So yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a hard night talking. I have five older sisters. I have a younger brother. Uh, My mother is still with us, Um, and so talking to my family and talking to my kids and talking to everybody um, is kind of an emotionally draining and mentally difficult uh, process if anybody has lost anybody that's been close to you, but um, this morning I woke up and um, I got on my gravel bike because I knew that would make me feel better, and it would be a good positive outlet for me to do, knowing that um, there would be no benefit to me rushing back to Vancouver because the details are, are already being taken care of by my sister or a couple of my sisters, and we won't be having a memorial or a funeral-type thing probably until the summertime, and so um, there was no rush for me to, for Brandy and I, to just, um,
1: yeah, well, first and foremost, dude, I'm I'm sorry. Hey, you called me last night after it happened, and I was like, oh, jeez. And then like, I, it actually bummed me out. And my wife came up to me, and she's like, what's wrong? And I, I told her, and she got sad too. And so I, I feel bad for you. You know, that's it's something that it, everybody goes through <laughs> at some point in time. You you lose loved ones, and it, it's never easy. But it, especially when it's a parent, that that's just tough. Um, and I'm sure you know. It, nothing's going to feel like the, the sadness that you have, but I'm sure that you probably woke up this morning and it was a little bit surreal. You probably had a little bit of a hole in your heart. And then you, you got on the bike. How did that affect you? How did that make you feel during and after the ride? Yeah.
0: It just, it just made my whole mood kind of elevate a little bit. It it gave me time to, yeah, it gave me time to quietly be, you know what? no, because it's going to turn, it's, this is going to connect to that. I'm sorry. My wife is in the van with me, and, and it's a little warm in here right now. But it, what the bike did is it it gave me time to kind of come to terms a little bit. And, of course, I haven't come to terms that it's been 12 hours. Sure. But I, I was able to just be out there on my own, think about him, think about the good times that we had together, the things that he taught me and um and be able to you know work my legs a little bit there already been very worked from training camp over yeah. this last week but the endorphins you get from that just certainly made me feel better and it made me a happier person when i was able to you know be back here with my wife and my sister and my in-laws that are here in mesa so
1: yeah, it's it's good sometimes it just to be alone with to be alone with your thoughts too and just to to have that yeah. time to reflect and to do something that you love and to get to see some beautiful, you know, scenery. Uh, that that's that's fantastic. So, um, but glad, glad you got to get on the bike and, you know, please let us know if there's anything that we can do and just keep riding, keep doing you keep being Lance and uh keep uh you know, keeping your head up, I guess.
0: I will say it's been I've had lots of teammates and lots of friends that have reached out to me uh, last night and today to give me condolences. It is all so much appreciated to, to know to know that people care about me and they're not just laughing at me because I'm trying to tell jokes. You know that um, that people are you know you know are concerned about my own welfare. And a lot of people have offered to do things. It's just been it's been very touching to me the amount of people that have reached out to me. So that's been, so thank you all who are listening to this right now. Um, I tried to respond to a lot of your texts or let you know that I appreciated them, but um, I couldn't get back to, to everybody. Cause it was, it was a lot. Gotcha. So thank you.
1: No. And, in- in your life, in your past, have you ever had to lean on cycling to help you solve personal problems, or just to help even keel you out, make you a little bit more balanced, and, and help you with emotions that you might be dealing with?
0: Yeah, absolutely, for sure. You know, um, it, during during my my work career, um, the, being a dentist is a is a stressful job, and I've I've probably talked about this you know before it's not just because you're running a small business but you know every patient and every person that you see every day doesn't really want to be there and so it kind of rubs off in their in their attitude whether they're happy or trying to be a very good patient or being cheerful nobody really wants to be at the dentist and so it just kind of rubs off and so I would try to do something physical every day. I failed most days. Um, I was not very fit or very fast while I was working as much as I was working or very happy, to be honest with you. Um, the uh, the chipper on air uh, personality that you're listening to right now is, <laughs> is was not always like that when uh, I was working 60 hours a week because it just didn't have that outlet every day to get those endorphins and make me feel better that I was doing something good for myself. So um, I tried lots of different things to try to find that. I found that cycling agreed with me more than any other thing like, like swimming or like running. Those things didn't agree with me as much because they beat me. Swimming doesn't beat me up, but and swimming sucks. I'll just that. But <laughs> uh, but running just just beat me up too much. I'm a I'm a big guy. I'm 175 pounds when I'm fit, and so if I'm bigger at like 195 pounds and I'm trying to run every day, um, it eventually took a toll on my knees and on my back and on things because that's a lot of weight to be pounding on the pavement. And I wasn't smart enough to find, you know, softer trails to run on back then. So Uh, being able to find cycling and it not being, uh, such an impact sport on my joints just made me a happier, better person. And and my wife could probably attest, you know, she, she would know days where I hadn't been able to do something physical. And she would say, have you, have you been on a ride yet today? And I'm like, no, I have not. She's like, you need to go or I'm going to (laughs) hate you more. So, I've had those so, same words yeah.
1: spoken to me. Go ride your bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: right. It's just better. So so yeah, it's it's had a, a big impact on, on for me and and I will try to keep doing that for as long as I can.
1: Yep. So. And again, it's it's a much better thing to lean into as opposed to other things that are just gonna be a, a band-aid or a mask that might give you some mood altering characteristics like, you know, just don't lean into, you know, substances that that are going to that you think might solve your problem. It's just going to make things worse down the road. The The notion of riding a bike is obviously way more healthy and it's going to give you much more benefit and not for nothing, you're going to feel better for it. And it's just one of those things that's going to help you solve a lot more problems in your life. So I don't want to get into the weeds on that too much, but um, I just, you know, I first and foremost, again, Lance, i, I I'm really sorry. I feel bad for you. I, I it's just, I, you know, I wish you all you. the best. Um, and I know that you're gonna make, you know, the choice to get on your bike because you have leaned on that for a long time. And I know that you're gonna be in good hands between, you know, your family and your wife and your kids. And and your bike is gonna be the icing on the cake. That's what's gonna help you get through this. So, you got this.
0: That's true. Well, thank you very much, Nick. I appreciate that. <laughs> awesome. Um, it, it makes it easier having friends like you. So I appreciate it
1: sometimes. (laughs) All right. Well, it's not going to be a long topic, so we're going to put that one to rest. Um, and we're going to move on to one last thing. Do you have a one last thing up your sleeve this week, Mr. Hepler?
0: Well, um, I am going to race my bike this next Saturday is the plan. Um, um, I thought that might all fall apart and I might have to come back to Vancouver, but it looks like that um, it won't be helpful back in Vancouver. So I'm going to stay here in Mesa for the next uh, week or so and race my bike. I'm going to do Belgium waffle ride Scottsdale, which is this Saturday. I'm doing the wafer course, which is roughly 70 miles and 4,000 feet of climbing. And I'm going, I am going, I don't really have, Goal resort. Um, I don't have goals for this race, so I'm just going to kind of race it as fast as I possibly can and see kind of where I'm at fitness wise. And we'll see what happens Sweet. if I to stay with the front group.
1: Do you want to talk so. about the bike that you're going to be riding in that race?
0: <laughs> yes, I finally got my Envy Mog up and rolling. It's the bike I rode uh, this morning on the gravel canals here around Mesa. Uh, yeah, I put together Jake and I uh we finally got our, well I finally got my bike all put together. It's a twenty three Envy MOG. Envy um, made a gravel frame and a road frame. The MOG is their gravel frame. Uh it has it it has that little uh what do you call it?
1: The storage the, the, the garage yeah, storage the compartment, the garage thinger. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, there's a, there's a little that opens up on the down tube and you can store things in the down tube which is i don't know why people haven't figured that out before but that's freaking fantastic but you've got a great set of MV wheels on it the 3.4s um and some good gravel tires and then i managed we figured out a way to put transmission on this so i put the sram transmission um on it with a 46 front tooth chain ring and I've ridden that bike 3 times so far and it has just put a smile on my face every time I have ridden it. It it feels great and it rips and the transmission is is shifting flawlessly and it feels great. I'm just I'm super
1: happy with Sweet. it. Sweet. So you've got the transmission and it's got the 1052 tooth cassette on the back with the 42 yeah. tooth on the front. How does that compare 46. 46 up front. How does that compare to the mullet setup that you're running on your URs before? Which had the, I believe yep. the, the SRAM yep. Force front forty six tooth chainring, the X-Sync with the yeah. uh, the, I, I'm not sure what you're running on the back, but you had another what ten fifty two cassette on that. How does how did they compare?
0: It was the same. It was the same ten fifty two cassette, but because there's such a huge range from ten to fifty two, a couple of my gears never really shifted very well because of the flex in the derailleur hanger. Uh huh. You don't have that problem with the transmission.
1: Really? Um, okay.
0: Because there, there is no it's derailleur hanger. Rock it solid yep. into everything. Yeah, just rock solid. So sweet. I don't know. That's that's my initial. Um, kind of feelings about that bike and that transmission that's on there. Yeah, and So gearing
1: gonna... is, gearing is the same. It's just a little bit more crispy with the shifting. It's not, there's no hesitation because of the flex that you're getting. And it's just like, it's bang on right. every single time on every single shift. So how do you like the geometry yes, so of far. the MOG in comparison to the BMC Oars?
0: The BMC Ours, uh is a little more hard tailish geometry. So it's a little, so the MOG is more, Aggressive, I should say, and a little more arrow than the oars, uh-huh. the BMC oars. So it should actually be faster. But was I able to like bunny hop rocks and rip through a soft sandy section? Yeah, no problem. Gotcha. So it, it, it'll it it'll get rowdy just fine.
1: Gotcha. So the so. the head tube on that is a little bit shorter. The wheelbase is roughly the same, or are they a little bit? Is it a little bit more compact than?
0: yeah I have no idea.
1: <laughs> i'm I'm just asking you all these questions because i I want to ride one as well, and obviously, I can't do that right now, so I'm just trying to like put together in my mind what the the ride profile is like and what it's gonna feel like once I actually get out there. So right now I'm just gonna have to live vicariously through you. So sorry for all the questions. <laughs> cool. All
0: right. Well, oh, yes, yeah, so, so far it's been great, so I'm happy with it. we'll We'll race it this weekend and see what happens.
1: Right on. Well, cool. I don't really have a, a one last thing other than our normal, like we're leading into the Michael Myers Memorial Time Trial. It's coming up on March 9th, and uh, it's we're getting some good numbers. I haven't had a chance to actually pull them up and look at them, but good old Sir Ian has been kind of keeping us up to speed on the registration numbers, and they are looking relatively well. I almost don't want to say this, but looking into the long-term forecast, it looks like we should have some decent weather, which now means it's going to rain and wind and snow and all yeah. that fun stuff. So I probably just jinxed it, but it 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 tentatively looking, it's looking like it's going to be like a partly cloudy day and it's going to be like mid to upper fifties. That'll probably change 14 times by the time we get there, but I can be okay. <laughs> cautiously optimistic that that's going to hold out and it should be a good time. So i um, looking forward to that. Other than that, I'm looking forward to my doctor's appointment tomorrow and hopefully we'll have some some better news in, in the very near future as to what my prognosis is going to be. Let's get some be. good so, news
0: with that doctor. Yeah, yeah. this is
1: getting to be real stupid. Cool. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to stop lamenting on that. Anything else, Lance?
0: <laughs> nope. I think that's all good. Thank you guys for all the love and concern with uh, my personal situation. I certainly appreciate that. Yeah. And
1: that was a good chat. We, just out of curiosity, when do you think you're going to be back into town? There, is it going to be still this like three weeks from now or are you going to kind of tighten that up a little
0: it's bit? it's like no it's like two and a half weeks from now is probably when i'll be back right. um I'll, I'll be back before echo red to red sweet so which is on bike racing so right on
1: cool all right well we'll be back next week hopefully with another one of these and until then bye for now